Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Tom. We're Team Binge. We are here to talk about the finale of The Last of Us, episode nine, which is called Look for the Light. We have finished the series, Tom, the Mm -hmm. series that you have loved and have gone on and on about and are replaying the game to relive once again. How did they land the plane? How did they shoot the firefly, I guess, (laughs) might be the right way of putting it. Let's get your, let's stab you with the thermometer, Tom. What'd you, yes. what'd you think? So I love this finish because it's, I think the reason why Craig Mazin loved the series and wanted to make it into a show in the first place, it's the ambiguity and the ideas of unconditional love and kind of how, what a parent will do for their child. It, it makes you think, it makes you, you kind of mentioned it last episode, whether we really should be rooting for Joel and in these moments kind of towards the end you think what am i and, and even you did it when you were playing the game like what am i doing in this final sequence and it's the crazy things that we do for love and like the love is beautiful but it's also toxic in a lot of instances and i loved how they stayed very true to the game with the questions that are asked at the end a little bit with the giraffe is a huge part of the game that kind of slows things down a bit before kind of the final push to the end and it was heart-wrenching hard to watch but I'm very interested to get your take on it and see kind of what a non-gamer and having not um, kind of played this part of the story, how a lot of these beats kind of hit you. So we'll probably get on the details as we as we get to the scenes. But overall, what's what's your takeaway? I was surprised he didn't shoot the giraffe. You know, <laughs> he seems to be shooting everyone else. Why would he not shoot the giraffe? No, you and I talked after this was done and. Uh, I mean, we don't share a lot of our thoughts, feelings, or emotions, mainly because we're closed off in that way, but also because (laughs) we want to save it for the entertainment of others when we record our voices. (laughs) I didn't, like, did I enjoy this episode? I don't know. Are you supposed to enjoy it? Are you, (laughs) like, I didn't feel joy uh, after watching all of that went down, but... I do understand the like weight of it all and the choices that are made. And to your point, it does make you think, you know, in a, in a similar situation, would you do the same thing that Joel is doing if you loved someone as much as he apparently does? I mean, I gave it mm-hmm. a long, hard thought. And after about 15 seconds, I was like, nah, I think I'd do this one a little bit differently. But... <laughs> I have never been put in this exact same situation before. So it's tough for me to judge a fictional character in a show based on a video game. It's kind of like when Mortal Kombat, the movie, came out. You know, it's tough to really put yourself in Sonya's shoes, uh, or Scorpions for that matter, and finish people. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's fair. I've given it, as you can tell, a lot and lot of thought. (laughs) <laughs> but let's go through the episode, and then we can really hit the uh, heavy stuff and uh, dive in. I've got my dream journal and my failure journal in front of <laughs> me, so I can read my thoughts from those. For those of you that don't know, uh, I keep a failure journal. It's very healthy. You write down all the things <laughs> that you fail or do wrong during the day, and then at the end of the day, you read it all over again <sighs> and hope that you don't wake up tomorrow. Anyways, um, that journal could... seems to be a little bit thicker than your dream journal. Oh, yeah. No, the dream journal. <laughs> dream journal entry two. Still waiting is what <laughs> I wrote. And so I'm on to 
entry three, but <laughs> I can't tell you entry one because then it won't come true. It's like the opposite of a vision board. If you say it out loud, it won't come true. I learned that at a Anthony Robbins motivational conference, uh, not to be affiliated with Tony Robbins. So, oh, okay. All right, let's start in the woods like this conversation has. I apologize. <laughs> I've wandered into some dangerous territory. You don't realize this at first, but maybe maybe you did because I obviously did not recognize like who this actress was, but we have mm-hmm. a pregnant uh, woman moving through the woods. She seems to be in a panic. Uh, we find out that this is Anna and I don't know how I knew. Maybe I knew because you had like brought up, or maybe I'd saw some things about like the motion capture from mm-hmm. the game. But this is the actress that does the voice work in the video game for Ellie, correct? Correct. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, she is Ellie. She uh, played by Ashley Johnson, who was a child actress, and she was apparently very famous from Growing Pains. Um, but she's had some small role, smaller roles in like some of the Avengers movies and probably most uh, widely known now for her role in the Dungeons and Dragons series, Critical Role. I think she plays uh, with a lot of those campaigns with those guys. Interesting. Okay. They don't tell us... I get, they don't really f- uh, telegraph that this is going to be Ellie's birth. We just find ourselves in the woods with... Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, I guess if you're smarter, do they do this in the game? Is this a scene from the game? No, all of this is new. And apparently this was something that Neil Druckmann, who wrote the game, wanted to kind of add to the series, but like never really found a good place for it. They were going to do like maybe a short story or something for it, but never really figured out a place. And then when he brought this idea up to Craig Mazin, Mazin was like, yes, we have to do this. We have to fit this in. And I think it is so fitting to have Ashley Johnson you know, who created and for lack of a better word, birthed this character of Ellie being the oh, mom. Good and, work. Yeah, doing all this. It's it's great. Poetic. So, so there's some stuff and we'll talk about it, kind of some background and some lore that is baked into this storyline. If it's not in the game, is that stuff explained just through dialogue or is it not explained at all in terms of immunity and that sort of thing? And and I'm jumping ahead, but we go to the yeah. farmhouse. She essentially goes into labor we see the uh ellie uh, signed switchblade show up (laughs) and then very terrifying she gets attacked while having a baby this is my doula told me to never be attacked (laughs) by an infected in the middle of childbirth it brings bad mantra uh, kobayashi i don't know something uh and so she stabs the infected gets bit and then there's a baby on the floor, which I didn't even see a stork, so I've got all kinds of questions. Um, but like this, you know, this kind of explains the immunity portion of this. How is that explained mm-hmm. in the game, or or do they just not go into that? It isn't. There's no real reason or rhyme as to why you think Ellie is immune to it. And we'll be again. I'm jumping ahead, but Joel making that line like, "Oh yeah, there's dozens of people that are immune." Like Ellie doesn't necessarily know that, but we know mm. from this little bit of backstory that, like, no, she is very, very unique. And you don't know how the science, I guess, works. And maybe there is some sort of science to this about establishing antibodies in your immune system. Who knows? But this is a cool, cool little idea that as she's getting infected, something through the umbilical cord, whatever it was, 
was able to pass this this immunity to to Ellie. But it's it's and I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit later. But there's I think an interesting idea with like what her immunity really is and what it means because as of right now it's really just okay if she gets bit she doesn't turn. But I but I want to touch on that a little bit later. Okay, yeah, you can touch whatever you'd like later. That's fine. <laughs> We have three people arriving at said farmhouse after this terrifying birth. Uh, a little bit of time has passed, not a ton, but we re-enter Marlene, who is the Firefly leader. I don't know mm-hmm. that she's holding that uh, role right now at this point in the game. Because uh, this is what? I mean, they don't give us a time frame, but how old is Ellie? Ellie's 13? She's 14. 14? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, say 15 years prior. Okay, got it. And Marlene has taken the whole scene in, and I guess her and Anna have known each other since they were children. Yeah, I think they've been lifelong friends, and as she kind of comes in and and sees this whole scene, it's just absolutely gut-wrenching. And you get Anna here kind of pleading and saying, you know, yes, I was bit, you know, I cut the cord after and she's kind of, you know, immediately, you know, starts this whole episode with this big lie. Like, she knows that this was after she was bit and everything and she cut the cord after, but she is just, she's lying in this instance because of like the alternative is just unthinkable of telling Marlene or thinking that her newborn child here could potentially turn. So she lies and and tells Marlene like, no, you've got to, you have to be here and you have to watch after my baby. Yeah. I mean, you also don't know how that lie is going to last. I guess you're hoping that you die so that you don't have to be around when the uh, the lie is revealed. But mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't know how it's going to turn out. And in the end, it turns out well for Ellie, kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> she, when she gives over the baby, she gives the switchblade to the baby. And all <laughs> I could think about is like, you can't give paper clips to a baby, Creed. And he's like, well, I've got thousands of them. And I was like, you can't give a baby a switchblade. That's, I'm pretty sure he gets the rules. It did seem dangerous. Oh, I mean, she just put it right on that baby's belly. Yeah, all, all you have to do is hit the button, you know? It doesn't take much. <laughs> Kids will get into anything these days. Yeah. But she's ultimately like, listen, kill me, take the baby. And uh, the actress that plays Marlene, well, I mean, the actress that plays Anna, uh, once again, does Ashley Johnson does a fabulous job. Uh, it all made me sad and not at all hopeful for mankind or anything, but Marlene shows some bit of mercy. She takes the baby and mm-hmm. uh, ends Anna. Well, in, in the way like Anna even pleads to Marlene to like, you need to raise this child kind of thing, because I think she understands Marlene has too much going on with the fireflies and everything else. Like, She's just saying you need to find her a home and, and keep her safe. And it's interesting to see, like, as we know what Marlene ultimately does with Ellie, Marlene gives Ellie to her enemy, right? She gives them, uh, gives her to Fedra to raise and keep safe. We know she's always close by and kind of keeping tabs on her, but it's an interesting kind of concept that Marlene is doing what she can to uh, keep this promise he made to her best friend, um, but is doing so... I don't know, in the, in the wings. Sure, sure. It's all very sad. I didn't like it at all, but <laughs> I guess that's the world they live in. So <laughs> This is a joyous show, for sure. No, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> which is great because uh, we're going to go from here to Ted Lasso, and Ted Lasso typically brings me a lot of joy. So um, <laughs> for those of you that have been with us on this journey, join us for Ted Lasso 
which comes out on March 15th in a couple of days. Tom and I will be potting about that one. We go from the flashback to Ellie and Joel, and Joel is really trying his hardest here. He's pulling <laughs> out all the stops. He's offering cans of beefaroni. Everyone's America's favorite game, Boggle, which have you ever played Boggle, Tom? Are, are you familiar with the concept of Boggle? I think I know of the game, but I don't know if I've ever actually played it. I, I've heard the name. Once again, it's probably one of those board games everyone had in their house but never played. Or Isn't at least... it like a dice game with letters and like the, the letters change and then you got to create words or something? I don't know. That I mean, that sounds very familiar, but it would have been under Sorry, Battleship, and <laughs> I don't know, Phase 10, which all would have gotten top <laughs> billing compared to Boggle. So Yeah. Listen, if Big Boggle wants to come at us, bring it. <sighs> They'll boggle us. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't a good one. We'll uh, fix that one in post. We'll add I like a, that one. We'll add a funnier joke like we typically do. We'll workshop it with the writers <laughs> and then come back around. Anyways, Joel's really trying to cheer Ellie up, and I'm assuming mm-hmm. she's sad. The sadness that we see in her eyes is because she just hacked that evil religious guy to death. Is that is that why she's struggling right now? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. She's dealing with certainly a lot of post-traumatic stress of that whole situation. And I think it's very clear to see. And, and, and we kind of saw in the last episode, but she is forever changed from that moment of having to defend herself and, and take that guy out in such a brutal, brutal fashion. But yeah, to your point, like, you know, Joel is doing everything he can to cheer her up and be that father figure for her. Um, he even talks about like, hey, you know, I'll teach you how to play the guitar, kind of a call back to him being a singer. So he's kind of doing all these things and bringing these things up that have been brought up in previous episodes to try to say like, hey, we can we can do all this stuff now. We're kind of towards the end of our journey. We're not out of the woods. But, you know, again, he sees her as a, a daughter figure and is trying everything he can. Sure. If he was a real dad, he'd be like, I'm going to take you fishing. So get your... <laughs> pole and your sleeping bag we'll do a little camping and then he'd never show up and she'd just be sitting (laughs) on the front doorstep wondering when he was gonna show (laughs) that's what real dads do anyways (laughs) what do real moms do julian i love you pop moms real moms are awesome they grow penicillin in the garage (laughs) there it is we're in uh, the big salt lake city which having spent some time there Uh, Looked exactly like I remembered it. They have a funny discussion here where he's like, listen, here's the game plan. And she's like, yeah, we're going to do this, this, and this. He's like, no, we're going to go make a bunch of noise. And he's like, actually, you're right. We are going to go into the tallest skyscraper uh, and have a look around. Which, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bummer we didn't get the dynamite bit because we know throughout the whole series they've never had uh, great noise discipline, so this wouldn't have surprised. Right, right. They're walking around just banging pots and pans together. (laughs) bring out your dead anyways <laughs> joel is like listen hey i've been meaning to ask uh ever since you hacked that guy to death you seem kind of sad a little bit quiet not so um snarky mm-hmm. uh, very un like as i like to call it mm-hmm. uh what's what's going on let's have a little little heart to heart also i've got a fishing trip planned that i didn't tell you about <laughs> until this moment um, this is all interrupted by the you gotta see this and she like takes off and she like runs in circles and I was like 
uh, I was confused by this. And then I was like, how did you see that giraffe? Like, I don't, this, I tried to work it all out. I watched this scene probably nine different times. And then the librarian told me to give the TV monitor back to the class that was on the field trip. Um, and then they escorted me out. So I don't know how this all worked. But there was a giraffe, Tom. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming she goes up a handful of flight of stairs to find said giraffe. So maybe she saw, like, the the feet or the legs of this, this giraffe, right? Let's, the most let's give her the benefit. The most important part of a giraffe. Look at those knees. And then she took off. <laughs> I love this bit, though, that, that gets you to this point, because this is the same that happens in the game where you, you're doing this constantly, where you're lifting Ellie up over something that's a little bit too high for Joel, and then she's got to drop a ladder, and then you've got to put the ladder up to climb it, so it's like a classic video game moment. Sure. But the idea that she just drops a ladder and just takes off, and Joel's first inclination is just fear and doesn't know what's going on, but Ellie is just so excited. I'm at the age where anytime I see someone go up a ladder, I'm just like, hey, three points of contact. Make sure it's sturdy. Don't. Easy now. I can't watch that scene in Christmas Vacation where he's doing all the lights without cringing a little bit. That's how you lose an ankle. Anyways, it's a giraffe. It's uh, a giraffe that they feed with leaves. It's very beautiful. I mean, very much. I'm going to say her name's Laura Dern feeding a... Uh, bronchosaurus in Jurassic Park, maybe? <laughs> this. It seemed like they cut this, they took this directive from Spielberg. Am I touching something? No, it is. I, I, I don't think it's Laura Dern, though. I think she might feed a uh, dinosaur at some point, but I think it's more the other guy, Sam Neill, where he's like up in the tree with the kids and they get one of those big things that kind of come out and they do the same bit where they try to feed the... We'll sure. Call it a, I'm just glad Laura Dern's in the movie because I was that close. Oh, oh, you know what? That's right. I thought about it this because if they turn away from the giraffe, if you look past the giraffe in the background, there's a woman who's like (laughs) elbow deep in giraffe dung, and she's like looking for why it's sick, and that was Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. So that's what reminded me of it. Proceed, Tom. Forgive me. (laughs) No, but this is, again, it's a... A beautiful moment in the game because you're you're you know you're kind of coming up to the end of your journey here and it really slows this down and, and much of this is very cinematic you're playing through some of it you know you're hit triangle to pet giraffe kind of thing but it's really just a moment for you to slow down and again like see ellie it's, it's an interesting idea because when ellie's obviously incredibly excited to to see this giraffe and it just it kind of takes her out a little bit out of her head and allows her to see something amazing that she's never seen before this beautiful animal and it's it, you wonder if is she still like incredibly like, i don't know if this is a sad moment or a happy moment i guess is what i'm trying to say like she's clearly happy and it's it's an interesting thing for her but it's almost like sad to see what's going on with them these two and and what's going to happen in the last couple scenes it's it's i don't know it's it's a very cool moment that's talked about a lot throughout uh, the game. And it's interesting too, because there's a lot of calls to giraffes as you watch the whole season. So knowing as a gamer, there's different calls to it. As they're like walking through town, you see like a stuffed animal on the ground and it's a stuffed giraffe when they were in that room and Ellie kind of confronted Joel. Uh, there's like a giraffe poster in the background. So it's like very heavily kind of hinted at. And I thought it was kind of, kind of cool for the, the gamer audience to play along there. Yeah. I took this as j- just, we get to see Ellie like being amazed as a kid would be amazed mm-hmm. to feed a creature like a giraffe and to kind of shake her out of 
like that there's hope for her to come out of the funk that she's in, I guess, mm-hmm. a little bit. So that's that's how I I took it as. But I also knew she was probably acting against a green screen or like a dude wearing a fake <laughs> giraffe hat. It was a real giraffe. It was a real draft. I watched that behind the scenes thing. And I think they, most of the stuff probably around them was green screen, but it was a real draft from the Toronto or whatever Canada Zoo. Mm, okay. I have a tough time believing that, but I'll believe you <laughs> okay. uh, because I have to. Uh, then we go from there. Uh, we're in the car. Ellie wakes up and she goes, hey, what happened to the draft? And Joel says, uh, oh, the giraffe went off with his giraffe family to the farm down the street. And Ellie's like, why are you wearing a giraffe skin? And Started quoting scripture. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. All right. Uh, no, that's not what happened. Joel doesn't kill the giraffe. The giraffe's fine, everyone. Don't worry. Uh, just a bunch of dudes die. So don't worry. The giraffe's fine. Um Joel, this is where they have the conversation that I thought was interesting, where Joel is like, we're kind of at the end of our journey or getting close, and he's almost like getting cold feet because I guess he doesn't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he maybe he's sensing that he might lose Ellie during this, or at least other people are going to come into play. So he's just like, listen, let's forget the quest. We can go back once again. I don't know if I told you, but there's a fishing trip on the horizon <laughs> that I think's really important and you'll really like. But Ellie is the one that's like, listen, a thousand points of light. Let's stay the course. Mm-hmm. Um, which, once again, just a interesting. And as a viewer, I mean, I've I've been on record saying I assumed Joel would die. Like uh, to your point, this is kind of this is like the deep breath before the plunge. So mm-hmm. you, you're kind of. Almost like, yeah, maybe they should just go on that fishing trip, you know, <laughs> raise that giraffe and his family. I don't know. Well, in, in the way like Ellie presents, it's like after all we've done. And then she specifically says, like, after all I've done. And we know from, you know, her her stuff with Riley and everything they've gone on with Tess, which he kind of talks about at the end. She doesn't want this all to be in vain. And she wants to see it all the way through and even mentions like, hey, listen, I'll go wherever you want after this. I'll follow you anywhere you go. Which, I mean, for these two characters, I think that's about as close as we're going to get to, you know, them saying I love you kind of thing. So mm. she, she wants to see this through. And I don't think, to your point about, I, I don't think Joel or Ellie have any idea what getting to this hospital and, and getting her tested and trying to make a vaccine, what it really means. Sure. We certainly find out later and it's absolutely brutal, but Joel doesn't think that uh, that she's in harm here. Joel just thinks they're going to do tests, do blood work. I think Ellie's kind of the same thing. And we've seen kind of Ellie's naivete when Sam was hurt and she just tries to cut her hand and put blood on him thinking that might do something because uh, she's a 14 year old kid and doesn't know, you know, really what this could and unfortunately will entail. Sure. And everything's going to turn out OK. So <laughs> I found this conversation surprising. Joel opens up about his scar that she I think Ellie brings up during this conversation, but I guess this was an attempt at suicide from Joel after he lost Sarah. He Mm -hmm. shot and missed. Maybe didn't miss, but I guess flinched. I didn't. (laughs) uh, I did not see this coming. So this was a little bit surprising to me. 
It was kind of, oh, I mean, it's a callback to, I think, the episode three when they're kind of uh, hiking over to see Frank and Bill. He kind of mentions, like, yeah, I was shooting at a guy and he barely missed and I just missed. And then, you know, he starts this conversation saying, but like, well, I'm the guy that shot. And I'm, I mean, I like what they're trying to do here with kind of establishing, like, the reason Joel, he found a, a new reason to live, I guess, for, for lack of a better word. But I think it was kind of goofy and a little bit silly the way that he has like a scar slashed on the side of his face. I don't know how you would do that with a weapon or a gun and not do any more permanent damage. He but really I like flinched. That... <laughs> he really did. Um, but I like how Ellie, you know, she thinks she's picking up on what Joel is trying to say and just saying, you know, hey, time heals all wounds. That's what you're trying to tell me. And Joel's like, no, it, it wasn't time that did it. And I think from the creator side, again, this is kind of their version of kind of saying, I care for you, I love you. And it is different from what you see in the game. From the game, I think Joel mentions he had like thoughts of suicide when he lost Sarah, but, but he never goes to this extent of him having a scar. What ultimately happens is Ellie pulls out a picture of Sarah. So she more or less stole that picture from Tommy and Maria back at the camp when they met them because remember Tommy showed her that picture so he kind of used she kind of used that as a means to kind of have him open up and then that's really the first time he opens up about Sarah with her so I I, in my opinion I like the way the game did this a little bit better I don't like the concept of we've already had unfortunately a lot of talk about suicide and all that kind of stuff so to see Joel have to kind of go through this again didn't seem like it was really necessary but I mean, again, they're just trying to establish and give these characters a little bit more time to breathe to showcase their affection for each other at this point in their journey. Sure, sure. But, I mean, all this talk of suicide, Tom, they then give you poopy pun time. So uh, (laughs) that brings you right out of it. You know, nothing nothing shakes the dark thoughts quite like uh, a book of puns. And then (laughs) nothing shakes away dark thoughts like a flashbang. Um, mm-hmm. So they're just walking through, I don't know, Sandy, Jordan, any part of Salt Lake City, and <laughs> we get a flash and a bang, and oh, and then a butt stroke to the back of the head, which I can't imagine felt all that good. No, not great. Not there great. is a little little bit here. So in the games, there's a little bit more action sequences you get until you kind of get separated from Ellie and both wake up in the hospital where... Like you have to go through the sewers and Ellie's kind of like almost drowning and you're going to save her and you're living, you're like giving her CPR as these guys kind of come up on you and then bang you in the head. So I think there's a, a pun that they do where they talk about like, what did the green grape say to the purple grape? Why are you holding your breath? I don't know exactly what it was, but it might be kind of a call to that concept of she was kind of out of air in the game and he was trying to kind of resuscitate her. I thought it was kind of interesting if they meant to do that little tie. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I, every pun in this, I would encourage people to rewatch this whole show and just focus on the puns. I think you'll see a deeper meaning. <laughs> oh, and you have to play the video game and read the graphic novel. Uh, and then you'll get all the puns will make more sense then. Listen, I know this is already a dark episode, so I did not prepare any puns for you. So you're welcome. <sighs> Sweet Lord, thank you. We're in the hospital, Tom. We're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Joel wakes up to Marlene, and it's like, hey, if you're here, why didn't you just escort her? But then Marlene has to say something like, listen, we had a bad time, too, so (laughs) I can't believe you guys made it. 
Yeah, and she's like, how did you get here? And I like Joel's response was like, it, it wasn't me. It was all her. Like, she fought like hell to get here, which I, I thought was pretty cool. But, you know, Marlene very specifically mentions, like, you are the guy that got her here, and she doesn't want to be in depth to a guy like Joel, but certainly owes owes him, which is maybe you can make the argument why she's not killing Joel here, like, because she knows how dangerous Joel is, but she feels she at least owes him his life, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot that's about to happen that I have questions about. And sometimes with shows, rather than nitpick, you just have to accept and watch the story for what it is. But yeah, Marlene does some things here that I find questionable. (laughs) So I also find the two guards that are escorting Joel. (laughs) I find their stuff a little bit questionable. Anyways, we find out that Ellie is being prepped for surgery and uh, they're going to take out the punny part of her brain so that she <laughs> no longer... Uh, no, we. it dawns on Joel that the cure for cordyceps is in the brain, and they're going to remove that part, so effectively removing her brain. Now, I'm not a doctor, Tom. You and I have been <laughs> on record, not doctors. Joel seems to jump to the conclusion that because they're going to remove Ellie's brain, or at least a large part of it, that that's going to put her, I guess, in a bad situation. She's not going to be well after that. Can you talk to that? Is that something like in the game, if you don't have a brain, do you die? What, what, uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Zombies in generally like brains, so if she doesn't have a brain, then she, you know, she can't provide any value to zombies or infected in this case. So yeah, I don't, I don't think she's going to be meant for this world without that. Okay. So she, so that's why he jumps to this conclusion mm-hmm. is worried Correct. about her health. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. All right. But I like Joel's line here where he's like, find someone else. Okay. I get it, but you're not doing this on her because at this sure. point he is all in. He's not going to lose his pseudo daughter here again. It's just not going to happen. And this is where it, it made me kind of, think a little bit more about this idea of a cure because she's we've already established in this series that there's kind of a hive mind with the infected and the infected time and time again have not stayed away from Ellie they've attacked and chased her just like anybody else so she can clearly still die and be ripped apart by infected so I almost think about like the idea of the cure is more at least what Ellie can provide is the lack of transmission through these bites, but people can still be ripped apart by these incredibly dangerous, infected fungi people. So I'm wondering if that may be kind of, I don't know if it does, but if it plays through Joel's mind a little bit about, well, this is not enough. Like it's one thing if everybody can just be cured and they get a vaccine and now all the uh, infected are gone, but this is, this is not enough. And I don't think the, the show has shown us enough to say, just killing Ellie is going to save the world because I don't know if it would. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think that deeply. I just thought, well, there seem to be some people of science in the room that think this <laughs> will help. Because my And I don't know if they go into this in game or show, but like, does this thing not just run its course if people stop being infected? Like, will it, because you see these things eventually just become wall decorations Mm -hmm. and like disintegrate. Is there a logical end if people quarantine? 
long enough? Like, say everyone stayed in their house for like two weeks. Would that probably <laughs> fix everything? Maybe. Don't, don't say anything, Tom. We don't want to get one of those warnings. Uh, I don't think so. Like the fact that we've gotten these like bloaters that have been able to survive for twenty years, and granted, those are probably few and far between, but. I think the idea is this this fungus is going to propagate itself somehow, and it's going to do so by eradicating the human population. Have they tried silver? Have they tried <laughs> holy garlic? water? Have they tried <laughs> garlic? Have they tried all of the 17 herbs and spices that go on KFC chicken? Um, have know. they tried all of the 27 special ingredients in Dr. Pepper? You know, these are the things I don't think enough people are asking these questions. Well, that's um, what the Firefly doctors were doing until uh, Ellie showed up. They were just popping up uh, Dr. Pepper's porn down affected, seeing how they reacted. This guy's like, go get me more Dr. Pepper. I need it. And they're like, we feel like you're just drinking it yourself. And he's like, I'm a doctor. Um, yeah. So I'm, I see what you're saying. I took this mm-hmm. at face value as, hey, we, they have a chance here. Nothing's like. Yeah. This is the one person they found that seems to have some sort of immunity, and this is how they feel mm-hmm. um, that you know they can best help human race. Well, um, Mar- Marlene makes that note. Like, listen, I made the promise. I'm the only one who really understands what I'm doing and what I'm asking these doctors, I think, to do. But I mean, because she not... promised Anna, she promised Correct. Ellie's mom, I'll take care of her. Mm-hmm. But right but saying you're taking care of her, like, her. <laughs> but Marlene is not a mother figure to Ellie by any means. She's just there to help protect Ellie as a promise to a friend. Whereas Joel is at this point a full on father figure and will do anything for this girl, which we are going to see here in a second. And man, is it is it rough? Yep, Joel as one would be in a situation like this, is mildly upset. (laughs) And so she's like, take him to the road and then leave him there. If he tries anything, kill him. And you just want to be like, now you know once he's on the road and you guys walk away, he's probably going to be like back at the door in, I don't know, 15 minutes. Uh, But Joel's not a patient man, so he doesn't (laughs) wait for that. On the stairwell, he executes some dudes uh it's uh uh not a lot of mercy being shown and Mm -hmm. uh i mean he kills several guys that are either unarmed or begging for mercy Mm -hmm. um so extreme prejudice is what he exercises during these next several scenes and the show i don't know if they're trying to soften it i don't know if they're trying to make us I don't know what they're trying to do here. I don't know if we're supposed to be sympathetic to Joel. I don't know if we're supposed to realize like the brutality of his actions and how many people he's killing for one person. But mm-hmm. they play some sad music over it so that you are even more confused. My only regret is they didn't play like You Are My Sunshine or <laughs> some like 90s ska music over this to really confuse us all. Well, I think that's the general idea is they like they're they're playing this like sad ominous music from this brilliant composer guy that wrote all the music for the the games and the show here and kind of silencing kind of all I guess the the terror of an active shooter doing all of this stuff and it is terrible to watch it's hard to watch Pedro Pascal acting was menacing like his his face just becomes empty 
and he just disassociates and he is single-minded in what he's trying to do. Like, it doesn't matter if you are a threat to him and you are a threat to him getting to Ellie to save her, he's going to take you out. And he goes, you know, full-on Terminator mode here. And again, like, we can talk about it maybe towards the end, but this this idea of, you even brought it up in the last episode, like the dichotomy between David and Joel and how they were treating and interrogating people just because we followed this whole story, you know, you want to root for Joel, but I'll tell you playing the game when you're doing this stuff, it's hard to even play these, these scenes in the game because you are, you know, you're just killing these innocent people, these fireflies that have devoted their entire lives to trying to save humanity. And he is just butchering them. And it's, it's awful and it's terrible. But again, it's the idea of what would you do for love and what do parents do for love what what would you sacrifice to save the ones you love? Yeah, that is uh, something. Hopefully, uh, none of well, hopefully none of us are in this situation. Because uh, <laughs> I hope not. If anyone's ever in this, no. What does Dwight say? If you're in this, if you're dead, or <laughs> if I'm alive, or if I'm dead, then you've been dead. I don't know. Anyways, you've been, been dead for weeks. You've been dead for weeks. Joel stops the surgery. He says, "Excuse me, doctor." The doctor's like, no, and then he shoots him. I Listen, the dark humor part of me wants this to be like, the surgeon's like, listen, I'm not even a real doctor, man. There's no <laughs> way of checking credentials here. I just, he's like the guy from Catch Me If You Can, but he's finally <laughs> been caught. He's like, listen, I'm really not a doctor. I was just wearing these scrubs, and they pulled me in here. Um, but that's not what happens. He gets shot violently. And this is, again, what Joel being single-minded, he is a threat to Joel because he's saying, like, you can't do this and pulls up a scalpel and is going to seemingly try to attack Joel. And again, just Joel deadpanned, just shoots the guy in cold blood. But he he's not sitting there just, like, massacring all these people, the other people in here, because, again, to Joel's single-minded attitude, they are not threats. So he's not taking out the, the assistants or nurses, other people that are in there. Um, there is a little bit here, too, where one of the nurses in the room is uh, played by Laura Bailey, who is a prominent uh, character and voice actor for one of the characters in the second game. So it's kind of interesting that they were able to kind of fit her in, even though she's wearing a mask the whole time. You really don't get much of her. Yeah, it's kind of a cool little little cameo. Oh yeah, no, I recognized her right off the bat. She was <laughs> uh, she was either the one on the left or the one on the right. Um, he very kindly does not shoot those assistants, which was I think the only mercy he showed during this whole thing Mm -hmm. uh he picks up ellie and i was just like i don't know man you can't carry her like that uh and also hold a gun like effectively Mm. uh, which is once again a sad thing to be thinking about during this moment but then he proved me wrong in the garage so (laughs) we'll uh Go to uh go to that but you had a note about uh maria and ellie's conversation yeah, because this is that callback to, you know, we see Joel taking out all these innocent people. And it's a callback to Maria Nelly's conversation that they had when Maria was kind of cutting her hair, Tommy's wife. And Maria knows from talking to Tommy what kind of a guy Joel is and, and what he did and what Tommy did to survive back then. And they make a note, Tommy makes a note like, hey, we were doing what we knew how to do because we were good at it. But there are other ways to survive. And Ellie defends Joel in this in that conversation where Ellie's like, listen, he doesn't kill, you know, he still kills, but he doesn't kill innocent people anymore. 
And when faced with the ultimate loss of losing another daughter to Joel, he he doesn't care. He's going to kill any innocent person that's in his way to rescue and save Ellie. Sure. They have a nice little stroll to the garage. Everything's cool. And then they run into Marlene. And Marlene at gunpoint is still trying to make a case for, listen, Joel, you got to leave her. Like, we can forgive her. I think she says something like, listen, we'll ignore all that just happened. You know, we'll sweep that under the rug. I'll grease a few palms. It'll be fine. I think Joel at this point is probably like, yeah, there's no going back. I don't know what you just saw me do to that whole hospital floor, but mm-hmm. um, there's not going to be much forgiveness. And uh, Marlene does bring up, or is it Marlene that brings up? Like, what would Ellie decide to do if she was given the choice between her life Mm -hmm. and saving a lot of people? Like, you got to think about that. Which, Mm -hmm. uh, this argument is a little bit more effective if they had given Ellie that choice. Instead, they lied to her before Mm -hmm. putting her under. So, there's a way this goes differently, I think, if you have a conversation with Joel and Ellie and give them these choices. And I don't know if you could ever leave it up to a 14-year-old to make that choice for humanity's sake. But mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, having both of them unconscious and making the decisions for them. And maybe, you know, maybe that's a leader like Marlene. That's what she felt like she had to do. It's a tough choice. Mm-hmm. And it goes poorly. Well, and I think we get that at the end with that ambiguity of, and we'll get to it. I want to get your thoughts on it. But does like what does Ellie know? about this whole situation we we know she's smart as a whip and probably understands some of the fallout a little bit so it's it's interesting because we do get a line from marlene that says like hey we didn't tell her we just we knocked her out you know with medicine whatever it is and then told her we're taking her into surgery but based on everything we know in this long journey it'd be interesting to see what what you think how you interpreted joel or ellie's kind of okay at the very end Sure. Uh, but yeah, to, to your point, though, yeah, Marlene is, is kind of saying, like, even after all that you've done, we can still find a way. And then we get Joel thinking to himself, like, this is the only person that he has slowed down not to just murder here is with Marlene. And it kind of takes a bit a beat. And I like the way that this is, again, same exact way this is shot in the game where it does cut to Joel in the car driving away. And Pedro Pascal does a great job acting here where he like kind of closes his eyes and ever so gently kind of shakes his head like, oh, I made a big mistake kind of a thing. Did he leave Ellie behind? And then, no, we get Ellie waking up in the backseat. Yes, they do. They do do that to you where you have a moment to wonder whether Mm -hmm. or not he just like was like, man, my arms are tired. And then he lays Ellie (laughs) down and walks off and gets in the Chevy S10 and takes it to the levee. (laughs) Uh, Joel, Ellie's like, hey, what's going on? What happened to the giraffe family? And he's like, listen, I killed them. I killed each and every one of them. I'm sorry. We're going to call some friends. They're going to come over and help us move the dead giraffe out of the yard. Um, (laughs) No, uh, Joel very quickly lies. He's like, hey, listen, uh, those guys, everything's cool. There's a bunch of people that immune. You couldn't help them. We decided to depart while you were unconscious and nothing to see here very quickly. <laughs> yeah he makes mention yeah not only are there other people that are immune but he's like hey they they stopped looking for the cure like they've done this enough with other people to realize there's there's no hope left yeah, i mean the way she takes this too is 
you don't know how she's taken it. She's clearly distraught. I think even Joel mentions that, oh yeah, um, some raiders came. That's why we had to leave and really quickly she asks about Marlene and it does this quick cut back to Marlene's fate. Yep. Where Marlene will go living a long and fruitful life and there's nothing to see here. No, <laughs> unfortunately, Joel, knowing that Marlene knows what he's done and that they'll never stop coming after her, uh, shoots Marlene. And mm. that's the end of Marlene. Yeah, I mean, it's the same exact setup with the start of this game where Joel's holding on to his daughter and gets gunned down by that, Fed, not, not Fedra soldier. He was just an, a, a soldier at that point when the outbreak was going and he was following orders and, and shot both of them. So, you know, seeing this in the same exact situation where Joel is now holding Ellie, trying to keep her safe, he's playing this back through his mind again. And from his standpoint, he won't make the same mistake. And he not only shoots her, but then goes back and, you know, kind of finishes the job even after Marlene is, is begging for her life. Because probably like Marlene should have understood, but Marlene didn't understand their relationship at this point, Joel and Ellie's, um, but likely... Knowing what she knows now, uh, Marlene maybe would have made a, a different decision because she didn't know the lengths Joel would go to protect Ellie. That's a good point. That's a good point. He, she knows him as like a smuggler, and it's just a package. And at this mm-hmm. point, she does not realize that he's become <laughs> attached to Ellie. Mm-hmm. They, I'm sure there's probably a cutscene where she's like, "Oh wait, you and Ellie are close. Let's talk." And then he shoots her. Um, in the in the game, I will mention in the game where you're going through this whole scene, it's it, again very much the same. But there's some slow parts, like as you're going through the hospital and trying to make your way to Ellie, you pick up like little voice recordings of Marlene kind of talking and kind of so it gives you a little bit more insight to like Marlene and her justifying this decision and how this was very difficult for her. They didn't have a lot of time to do that here in the show because it was just really that one scene when Marlene was talking to Joel. Uh, before she kind of told Joel to go away. But you do get a little bit more of that in the game, which is, is kind of interesting to to get Marlene's perspective a bit more. So in the game, let me ask you this question. This is no judgment towards you. You don't have to tell me what button you pushed when you were given these decisions. <laughs> but in the game, you're playing Joel. And so, like, is it a cutscene when Marlene is executed? When you are gunning down all of the... Fireflies in the hospital? Is that a choice the gamer makes? Um, You're just surviving. So yeah, you have to go. And that's why I say it's hard to play because you have to go through this whole hospital taking out all these kind of armored firefly guys. And then at the very end when Marlene gets shot, all that is cinematic. Like once you hit the elevator, the game for all intents and purposes is is pretty much over. Hmm. Hmm. You remember when we were kids and there'd always be a thing in the news that was like, hey, are violent video games like changing <laughs> kids' brains? I, uh, when I was a kid, I was like, listen, I'm just shooting Nazis. You know, I'll shoot Nazis any way I can. Uh, but now that they're doing these like more emotionally, like you've got to make a choice between shooting innocent people and making it to the next level, I'm starting to wonder, I don't know, maybe those news people weren't so wrong after all. Anyways, let's just push that aside and ignore it until we have to face the bleak consequences. Uh, Let's talk about hiking in Wyoming. We uh, (laughs) have driven to Wyoming 
and they've got a little bit of a jaunt because the vehicle, mm-hmm. I don't know, overheats. I never know what happens in vehicles. This is what's great <laughs> about these shows. It's just like, hey, just be in front of the hood and act like something's wrong, and then that'll explain why you have to walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm also but- not a doctor, not a car doctor, not a mechanic. <laughs> I do love car talk, though. Highly recommend car talk. Uh, it's no longer on the radio. Click and clack are, well, one of them's no longer with us, but they do have it as a podcast, so... Uh, I would like to recommend Car Talk. Sorry, Tom, I derailed us. Go ahead. <laughs> no, take it. us on the hike. I love when you take us into the woods. But he makes mention of like, hey, there's a five-hour hike, remember? Which is one of their first conversations after they lost tests, and they had to do that five-hour hike to get to Bill's. It's like he's trying, even now, doing everything he can to cheer her up and get her, her past what she's clearly still going through. Yep, and we know we're in a bad situation because Joel starts to open up about Sarah. And he's like, listen, you two would have been best friends. Well, Sarah wouldn't have liked the fact that you do this. Not that I don't like that you do this. He does a lot of that, which I thought (laughs) was very funny. And Pedro Pascal does a great job. He's like, she had a killer smile. Not that you don't have a killer smile. Um, It was very, it was very, after all the brutality of what just happened, this was Mm -hmm. still, and also Bella Ramsey's playing this very well because you can't Mm -hmm. really read like, you can tell she knows something's different or something's up, but you can't get a read on it uh, as they're as they're going through this. And, like, I'm assuming her suspicion is even higher because she's like, why is Joel talking about Sarah, something that he's never really brought up before mm-hmm. or opened up about? So it is, uh, once again, kudos to both these actors for just doing a fabulous job. Yeah, because I think throughout this entire sequence, and, and Ellie's likely been holding on to this question that she asked Joel at the very end for a long time, and she's like trying to get it in her to spit this out and, and really confront and ask Joel, but it's very, very challenging for her. And I mean, Ellie, or Joel's brought up um, Sarah before. They kind of did a little bit um, while they were kind of hiking towards the the hospital. So I don't know if her him bringing up uh, Sarah right now is is any sort of like inclination that he's lying or whatever i think there's probably maybe a little bit more that can probably maybe point to joel not being being fully honest with her yeah i don't i guess i'm not saying that it's him not being honest with her but he's Mm -hmm. like trying to fill the silence with something and he's gone Mm -hmm. to the well of a subject as we all do we get like chatty when we're uncomfortable or where Mm -hmm. maybe we're trying to hide something but ellie then starts talking about killing riley not just in mortal Kombat, but in (laughs) real life she's like listen remember that time i said i'd killed someone before well i had to kill my best friend almost lover yeah i mean again just brutal but this is ellie you know they they see jackson in the background they're kind of at the end of their little journey and this is ellie's kind of last chance to to confront joel here and even as she's she's saying this and giving Joel kind of her backstory and and how many people she's lost along the way Joel kind of interrupts her and tries to you know soothe and tell her hey it's okay everything's gonna be okay you know we'll always find something else to fight for even if you feel like you've lost it all uh, which is is fair but I think here Ellie is kind of she's understanding and seeing that Joel is uncomfortable in this moment he's trying to you know, get out of, I think, the, the question or the conversation that's that's going to be had here. Um, but then we get, we get Ellie's question. Right, right. And her question is, 
How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop? And the owl, the wise owl, just bites it, and then he stabs her with the lollipop stick. Oof, I think I'm remembering that commercial, correct? No, she says, swear to me that everything you said about the fireflies is true. And that's kind of a ambiguous question. Like, he said mm-hmm. a lot about the fireflies. Like, I did not... Like, I feel like she should have been more specific. If she had been raised by a lawyer, you've got to really, like, (laughs) dial that question in. You've got to say something like, swear to me that everything you said about what happened at the hospital with the Fireflies and Marlene is true. Because there, you know when someone gives you some latitude to, like, uh, like lie but not directly lie? Like, I feel like, I mean, in in this situation, I think he told the truth. He's like, yeah, I swear. Yeah, I told you. That the Fireflies were a rebel group that, you know, blows stuff up. Yeah, all true, I swear. Yeah. That's how I took this conversation. Was I right, Tom? Is that what I was supposed to do? I don't I don't think that's when Neil Druckmann had in, in mind when he was writing this last sequence. Mm. Uh, but you get Joel, like, doing probably what, what every parent would do, which is lie and Double lie down, baby. <laughs> yeah, Double down. Without- Stare him in the eye and tell him there's no more ice cream left. And, and he does, right? He stares her right in the eye. He doesn't do any, like, tap his feet or look down or do anything. That, like, he straight up lies to her face and says, I swear. And Ellie's response, and this is exactly how the game ends, is her taking a beat, thinking about it, and ultimately coming to the response of, okay. And boom, cut to black. And I'm in, before I say anything about it, I'm very interested to see how this how this moment kind of hit you and like what what did you take away from this what do you think ellie hears when she hears joel say this um and and what did you think about this kind of grand ending uh see you used the word grand i don't know (laughs) i uh someone in the room as we were watching went oh okay that's how they're gonna um no i don't know what to think because i don't know what ellie knows before they put her down Uh, like he's assuming she knew nothing. She's assuming that Marlene didn't have any type of conversation with Ellie uh, before going under for surgery. I don't think she believes him. Like there's something Mm -hmm. going on here. Otherwise she wouldn't have asked the question. But once again, the question was not as direct as I would have liked it to be in order to like, give me a clue of that. Ellie is on to it. I don't know. I, I, I was, uh, I took it as Ellie is suspicious. I think she's going to say okay just because she doesn't want to lose Joel. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, she's accepting this answer for now. But, you know, maybe she gets him to drink some Buffalo Trace later on and then starts really <laughs> dialing the questions. Being like, oh, what Marlene say she's going to do after you guys departed? Like, was she feeling well? Did she have any holes in her? Something like that. So I don't know. No, I, I mean, this is, it's interesting to hear you say that because I, I agree, like, she she doesn't, like, what what else can she say here? Like, is, is she going to call him a liar? This is the only person she really kind of has in her life. And I think what probably hurts her the most here is she realizes her only response can be okay. And she has to to eat eat this lie and knows that Joel is not telling her the whole truth. And that is maybe, you know, some of the biggest pain that this is all causing because she's smart. She's smart enough to understand after everything that kind of happened here that 
she was likely going to die in the situation and Joel was her savior and she never got a say in it. And it's almost like, you know, her purpose in life was taken by the one that she trusts and she loves the most. And this was, this is the, an ending that was one of the reasons I think why this game was so popular in terms of its storytelling, because it was a game that didn't just tie it up with a bow. And then you're like, Oh cool. Joel came and saved the day or they found a cure and everybody wins. It was very ambiguous and it was ambiguous to a point like what Joel did. Was it right? Was it wrong? What does Ellie think? And and all of this were, again, you can, you can think she's thinking a, a thousand different things and all of them are probably right in some form. So it's, it's a very fascinating ending, but I'll, I'll be honest. I'm probably with your wife. Like when I played the game and this ended like this, I was like, what? Like, this is all I'm getting. And I was so, <laughs> I was I was bummed, but then the more I thought about it, it's a kind of a game and hopefully a show that will stick with people and stay with people and have some of these conversations about, you know, the the cost of telling lies and and, and the showrunners are constantly talking about like what it means to love, especially uh, from a parent's perspective, kind of unconditionally, and is it worth taking away others for like for the greater good perspective to save the ones you love. It's, it's a fascinating show and fascinating conversation. And I mean, again, I, I love seeing this thing come to life in, in this medium. Sure. Sure. Well, they did it very well. It was well paced, well acted, much like a lot of these prestige HBO shows. They did a, uh... They did a wonderful job. I'm interested to see where season two goes. You know, it, it's it's a show that's pretty, I don't want to say straightforward. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think the one issue I had with this episode was just like, okay, so Joel is just the best gun shooter in all of the land that he can do, like, uh, I don't know. I guess when it came down to it, it was just like, hey, he was able to shoot a lot of people in order to rescue Ellie. Now, the interesting part of it is the question of, okay, like where does he fall on the morality scale of, you know, hey, he's essentially doing everything for his child that he doesn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. Is that worth all of the people he shot? Or should he sacrifice her in order for maybe a cure? And to your point, what does a cure mean? Um, Mm -hmm. I just, uh, I enjoyed it. Well, as much as someone can enjoy a bunch of murder. Yeah, um, I got you. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) I was just, uh, I just, I wish it wasn't, and I don't know, I mean, if it's how the game is played. I just more, I just wish more people while playing the game would have put down their controllers, you know, and protested (laughs) just the violence, Tom. You know what I mean? No, no, no. No, there's, it's funny. So there's, it's a very end. Yeah, Neil Druckmann in one of his uh, podcasts talking about the ending in the show. He said when they're making the video game, they do play testing. So they have different people test out the game, try to find bugs or make sure the story beat uh, beats are hitting and, and these they're, they're getting kind of what they want out of the, the storytelling elements. And when Neil Druckmann said he had people play this end sequence and kind of understand the, 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 the question that Ellie ultimately asked Joel... He said that like it was kind of 50-50 in terms of how people interpreted this this scene and whether Joel was in the right to do all this. But 100% of the people that were parents agreed with Joel. Like every single one that play tested this game for him when he was making it, if they were a parent, they agreed with with Joel and everything that he did to lie in, to her in this situation, not necessarily for, you know, 
the murder and all that kind of stuff. But for, for her, well, that's himself. the one I've got the real questions about. The lie. I mean, everyone lies to their kids. That one's not a big deal. But no, go ahead. Sorry. No, but I, I thought that was very interesting. Is that that concept of again, if you are a parent, you you understand, and I think some of this stuff hits you a lot harder than it would, you know, maybe the generic teenage kid that's playing some of these games. So that's why I think it's it's fun to see this in another medium because it is a very heavy material and you know a lot of people just think video games are just kind of blindly going through and shooting stuff which a lot of video games are but there's some great content out there that has very talented writers creating this stuff in this genre and it's fun to see it getting a limelight and getting these conversations talked about in in other mediums and things all right well let's have the difficult conversation which is if there was a moment where they both came to ellie and joel and Marlene walked in and was like, listen, here's the situation. We think something in your brain will help cure ma- humankind. Do you think Ellie would be for it? Do you think she'd be able to convince Joel to let her do it? Do you think both of them would be like, listen, we're cool. We've got this fishing trip, this dope fishing trip <laughs> that we've been talking about doing. We want to go do. Like, what's the rush here? Like, they moved her into surgery very quickly. Were they like, oh, she's already anesthesia from that flashbang <laughs> so we can just move her right into prep if they had the conversation do you think ellie's like listen i'll sacrifice myself for humankind i mean i i get a sense that yes she would or at least she wants to be a part of the decision and and maybe that's where joel mentions it a little bit later like it's not your decision to make it's not necessarily Joel's decision to make, but Joel doesn't like the idea of her just not being told and being killed for the sake of a potential cure. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't know for sure. Who knows what would have happened? You know, I would argue maybe that Marlene is trying to get her into surgery as soon as she can because she knows how, or at least might think Joel would react poorly. Oh, he reacts poorly. Yeah, I would say <laughs> yeah. on the scale of poorly to not poorly, he's in the poorly, <laughs> the red zone of the poorly. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But I guess, again, the general idea is like we, we understand why he did it and we understand why she wouldn't have wanted him to do it. Uh, it's Again, those are the kind of questions that you can ask yourself if you want to keep thinking about it. I don't. I don't. This made me sad. Um, I would encourage people, instead of thinking about this sad, sad show, that they think about Ted Lasso and him trying Nigerian food with Trent Krim or um, when Roy comforts Jamie after his dad is a big jerk or Roy's, spoilers, retirement speech. Any of those things uh, I think people should think about more than this this sad, sad show. But from what I understand, they are going to do a movie to finish this all up. <laughs> a 90-minute uh, action-packed Nicolas Cage and Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, The Last of Us Season 2, the movie, I think they're calling it. That makes sense, right? Is that what they're doing next time? Yeah, they recast uh, Pedro as Nicolas Cage, and they recast oh, uh, Bella Ramsey as Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, it's a twist, oh, but... <laughs> oh, I've never wanted to watch something more. Incredible. Can you imagine watching Bella Ramsey do the splits while, like, <laughs> uppercutting someone? Uh, that would be incredible. I don't think he can be in it, though. He was a Street Fighter guy and not... Uh, 
not Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, there... he's already been in a different video game. <laughs> That's a good point. That You can only be in one video game movie in your life. That's why mm-hmm. The Rock, having been in Doom, can't be in any of The Last of Us. <laughs> yes. But they're definitely going to do a, a, a second season. They've, they've uh, been approved from HBO and, and greenlit for it. The game is, and then we talked about this, it's significantly longer. Whereas Last of Us 1 maybe takes between 12 to 14 hours to, to play through. The next game takes probably 24 hours plus of just regular gameplay. So it is a very long game. And again, I'm not going to go into any of the specifics of what happens, but I will say there's certainly a lot of fallout from their conversation. And that that okay and that I swear, um, that kind of we touch base at in, in Season 2 and or not season two but in the second game and i think based on that length they're likely going to split this thing up into two seasons would be my my thoughts and i think from listening to the showrunners too they talked that they'd likely do a, a good amount more of the infected in second seasons with some more action so we'll see we'll see what ultimately kind of comes of it but i'm, a, I'm a, again i i know it's <laughs> it's a dark show it's a hard show to watch sometimes but to your point it's an hbo it's brilliantly shot so incredibly well acted and for me who's somebody who did love these games and did give these games a lot of thought and like i said in the very first episode when i beat this game very next thing i did was hit play again like i wanted to go through this experience now knowing how that story played out to see if my mind would change about you know the end game and and everything that kind of happened so i loved it and it's it's fun to see these games come to life in, in these different genres and We'll be excited to see what what comes up in in season two. But when you restarted it, you changed your class, right? So like you were like a bard when you did it, <laughs> or yes. you were a sorcerer when you did it on the second playthrough. I'm assuming you get a different experience. You can like do unlockables to change it, like black and white modes. So you can play the whole game in black and white, which is which could be kind of cool. I think I did that for like maybe an hour and got annoyed by it. Mm. Um, <laughs> I played the version where it was just all black, so it was just a black screen, and then sad music played, and you just got sadder and sadder and sadder, which is how I feel with the ending of a show that it was very sad and very dark, but I did enjoy it. I appreciate you forcing me to watch it week after week, and we depart this sad journey, this boat uh, from 1899 and The Last <laughs> of Us onto a much brighter boat, which is the Ted Lasso boat. So thank you for joining us. If you would like to reach out to us and, I don't know, uh, comment, question, we appreciate those of you that engage. You can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. We really do appreciate those of you that have written a review or left us a review, as long as it's a nice one on apple podcast i think that's the only one that really matters um those of you that have subscribed to us on spotify good on you we appreciate that as well but we've enjoyed having these conversations we're still friends for uh, (laughs) some reason tom i commend you on your patience uh and i commend me on my patience being friends (laughs) with myself each each new season or series that we watch it tests our friendship to see sure. if we're going to last another either season of a show or new show. Yep. Hence why our podcast is called The Last of Us, because one <laughs> of us will last and the other one will probably find a new friend or 
maybe more. Can you have more than one friend? I don't know. I don't mm. want to try it out. <laughs> um, but what else did I miss, Tom? What are the things that are out there? Yeah, follow us on Twitter, the Instagrams at Team Binge or Team Binge Podcast. Continue the conversation there. Again, hopefully, if you enjoyed us uh, recording this one, we've done a handful of other shows. Julian mentioned some of the others. We've done the After Party. We've done Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. We've done Out of Range. <laughs> we did, didn't we? <laughs> the Lord of the Rings show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tom. I interrupted. Go ahead. Uh, that'll give you a little insight if you want to listen to that, what Ugh. we thought about that show, or at least what Jillian thought about that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've done a lot of fun shows, so if you, if you liked us on this, go check out our back catalog with the same kind of general concept. We like to dive deep into shows and just kind of have some two friends uh, talking it over uh, the old internets. So thank you again for those who have uh, joined us, and we'll see you here very soon for season two, or sorry, season three of Ted Lasso. Of the Lasso. I've been Julian. And I have been the Ellie to julian's joel goodbye everybody (laughs) i don't think that's the dynamic but (laughs) all right